In the summer of 1559, King Henry II of France was killed in a tragic accident. Paris was thrown into utter chaos. The king had met his fate during a jousting tournament. A noble's lance pierced his helmet, leaving a festering wound. Ten agonizing days later, the king passed away. Whispers spread throughout the French court. Allegedly, the king's death had been prophesied by a famed seer, Michel de Nostradamus. A few years earlier, he'd written, quote, The young lion shall overcome the old on martial field in single combat. In a golden cage, his eyes will be put out, two into one, then to die a cruel death. The evidence seemed undeniable. Even as the lavish funeral arrangements were made for Henry, the name on everyone's lips was Nostradamus. But secretly, someone in France had been buying up copies of Nostradamus's updated book of prophecies. Once every copy was accounted for, they were piled together and burned. The person behind this covert campaign wasn't one of the seer's enemies or competitors. It was Nostradamus himself. After successfully predicting King Henry's death, he decided this edition of his prophecies had to be destroyed because the rest of them were shamefully wrong. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our second episode on Nostradamus, an astrologer whose prophecies have dominated history for centuries. He's credited with predicting everything from the death of King Henry II to World War II to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Last time, we examined Nostradamus's life as an embattled plague doctor who ran afoul of the Catholic Church. During his time in exile, he began working with astrology and divination, which launched him into international stardom. In this episode, we'll investigate the conspiracy theories surrounding Nostradamus, including the techniques he supposedly used to see the future. There are some who doubt his prophecies are even accurate, while others believe Nostradamus was nothing more than a con man who fooled the entire world. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. 
That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Nostradamus is one of history's most famous astrologers. He claimed that by looking at the night sky, he could calculate the fate of one individual and maybe even predict the future of an entire civilization. But in 2010, a scholar named Peter Lemessurier claimed that this was all a lie. Nostradamus didn't use astrology, fire-gazing, or a scrying glass to write his prophecies. These were all misdirections to keep the Catholic Church from learning his true technique. If they'd discovered what he was doing, Nostradamus could have faced trial, torture, even death. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Nostradamus made his prophecies using an ancient form of magic called bibliomancy. In LeMessurier's book, Nostradamus Bibliomancer, he analyzes all the techniques the prophet claimed to use while writing his predictions or quatrains. Nostradamus's method of choice to guide these predictions was thought to be astrology, which in the 1500s was a respected scientific field. By studying how stars and planets moved across the sky, Nostradamus was seemingly able to determine disasters, political strife, or wars that would happen here on Earth. Wealthy individuals also contracted him to calculate their personal horoscopes. These clients then used that information to make their decisions on business, marriage, politics, and more. But as he dug deeper, LeMessurier discovered something puzzling. Nostradamus's horoscopes were riddled with errors. LeMessurier wasn't the only one who noticed. Many of Nostradamus's 16th century peers publicly denounced the prophet for the same reason. In 1558, when Nostradamus was at the height of his fame, an astrologer named Laurence Videl published a scandalous exposé. It was titled, Declaration of the Abuses, Ignorances, and Seditions of Michel Nostradamus. Videl found that Nostradamus routinely placed the sun and moon in the wrong place in his star charts. On one occasion, he even mistakenly placed two suns in the sky, meaning all the expensive horoscopes Nostradamus sold to the French nobility were totally useless. Even more startling, Nostradamus sometimes didn't even collect his own astrological data. Instead, he stole it from other published astronomers. This meant that the star charts he used were outdated, 
and sometimes completely wrong for the calculations he was attempting. Remember, a person's horoscope is based on the date, time, and place of birth. And the location of certain planets and stars at that time could allegedly predict someone's personality or future. So if Nostradamus was looking at maps from the wrong month or year, then the planet and stars would be aligned completely different. It would alter the outcome of someone's reading. This raised questions about Nostradamus's competency as an astrologer. He may have used others' data out of laziness, or perhaps he didn't know how to take those measurements at all. It seems that Nostradamus was somewhat aware of his shortcomings. While he stood by his celestial readings, the measurer found that he never actually referred to himself as an astrologer. He let other people give him that title. In his private correspondence, Nostradamus referred to himself as an astrophile, meaning someone who was fond of the stars, but not necessarily an expert. If that's the case, then of course he might make a few mistakes. But if he wasn't an expert, then it's possible his bigger prophecies didn't come from the stars at all. Perhaps he just wanted people to think they did. Le Measurer suggests that Nostradamus's entire astrological reputation was just a misinformation campaign. He wanted to throw people off the track of his real technique, a mystical art known as bibliomancy. Bibliomancy was extremely popular in ancient Rome. Several Roman emperors, such as Hadrian and Claudius II, were said to have used bibliomancy to make important decisions. Because of the practice's ties to pagan religions, bibliomancy sometimes went hand-in-hand hand with the occult. Nostradamus wouldn't have been able to talk about it openly. It could have landed him in front of the Catholic Church's inquisitorial courts. It was much safer to lie about his methods than reveal the truth. Practicing bibliomancy was deceptively simple. First, a blindfolded practitioner selected a book from their shelf and set it on a table. They let it fall open to a random page as their finger instinctively moved to a specific passage. They believed their deities were guiding their hand. Then, the practitioner took off the blindfold and read what they discovered. The text was then interpreted to fit their situation. Sometimes the answer was straightforward. Sometimes it wasn't. For instance, if a Roman emperor considered going to war and their finger landed on a passage about a great historical victory, that was a good omen. If they landed on a passage about sheep being slaughtered, though, they'd probably rethink their plans. Le Measurer first considered the bibliomancy theory when he realized many of Nostradamus's quatrains sounded familiar. After some digging, he found striking similarities between his prophecies and passages from other famous books. In some cases, they were copied almost verbatim. I'd recommend listening closely to these next 30 seconds, just so you can hear the similarities. In one quatrain, Nostradamus wrote, quote, Wand placed in hand, as there in branches sell. He dips in water both his hem and feet. Vapors, voices through his sleeves that swell. Brightness divine, the god takes up his seat. 
In a different book, LeMessurier found a passage that read, quote, The female oracle at Brancis either holds a wand in her hand or dips her feet or the hem of her robe in the water or inhales some of the vapor arising from the water. In this way, she is filled with a divine light. The second passage came from a book titled On the Mysteries. It was written by the Syrian philosopher Iamblichus in the 3rd century CE and detailed the ancient mystical rites of various civilizations. Nostradamus most likely would have had this volume in his library. But this wasn't one isolated incident. LeMessurier traced many of Nostradamus's quatrains to a book called Mirabilis Liber, or Wonderful Book, a popular collection of prophecies from famous Christian saints published in the early 16th century. Many of them spoke of great disasters or the apocalyptic end times. Anyone interested in Christian prophecies would have owned it. Nostradamus appeared to be one of them, because another one of his quatrains read, quote, In the region next to the Babylonian, great shall be the bloodshed. For land and sea, air and sky, it shall be deleterious. For sects, famine. For realms, plagues, confusion. This verse describes a scene from a prophecy, supposedly written by a Christian bishop, it described the biblical end of days and rise of the Antichrist, and it appeared that Nostradamus copied it to write one of his prophetic verses. Even more suspicious, Nostradamus actually claimed to have burned most of the books in his library before he died. Maybe he wanted to ensure that no one noticed the similarities between them and his predictions. Then again, Maybe Nostradamus had visions of the future that were similar to the Christian saints. After all, they were supposedly receiving visions of the same future, one that hadn't yet come to fruition. That may be. LeMessurier does suggest that Nostradamus believed history was cyclical. He thought that events that happened previously were bound to reoccur in the future. Today we have a saying that those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, Nostradamus thought we were doomed to repeat it no matter what. LeMessurier cites this Janus principle based on the Roman deity of beginnings, transitions, and duality. Janus was frequently depicted with two faces looking in opposite directions. One saw the future, and one saw the past. LeMessurier's evidence that Nostradamus practiced bibliomancy is pretty compelling. It's impossible to ignore the similarities between his prophetic quatrains and the books he most certainly owned. It also explained why he destroyed his library before he died. I agree. However, Nostradamus claimed to use one additional technique known as scrying. This was the type of divination practiced by seers such as the Greek Oracle of Delphi and required the practitioner to fill a bowl with water and meditate until visions of the future appeared. But LeMessurier is unable to prove or disprove this method, which means it still looms as a possibility of how Nostradamus sourced his famous quatrains. So we can't rule that out entirely. True though I'm inclined to side with the bibliomancy explanation since it has the most evidence supporting it. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I give it an 8. 
Nostradamus most likely used books like Mirabilis Liber or On the Mysteries to craft his prophecies. I think LeMessurier is probably right, so I'd give this a 7 out of 10. While he's known as the world's greatest astrologer, maybe Nostradamus's title should be world's greatest bibliomancer. Regardless of how Nostradamus wrote his prophecies, what really matters is if they came true. Many of his supporters still believe that the future of humanity is hidden inside his works. Coming up, the possibility that Nostradamus predicted COVID-19. Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, Parcasters. It's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour. 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland, where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico, where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer and travel to New Zealand where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home, like the ants in your kitchen the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Now, back to the story. In 2010, researcher Peter LeMessurier analyzed Nostradamus' book, Prophecies, his findings suggest that the famous seer may have practiced the ancient art of bibliomancy. Regardless of his methods, many still believe that Nostradamus predicted some of history's greatest calamities. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number two. Nostradamus's prophecies were accurate. By examining ancient texts, he was able to divine the future. Many suspect that Nostradamus anticipated events like the Great Fire of London, World War II, and even the COVID-19 pandemic. 
But Peter LeMessurier found that some of these prophecies may have been slightly misinterpreted. First, let's take another look at the quatrain that predicts the Great Fire of London, the first major disaster that the world connected to Nostradamus. He wrote, quote, The blood of the just will commit a fault at London. Burnt through lightning of twenty-threes the six, the ancient lady will fall from her high place. Several of the same sect will be killed. As we mentioned in part one, Nostradamus's supporters were quick to point out that 23s plus 6 equals 66. They believed that this was a reference to the year the fire happened, 1666. But LeMessurier believes Nostradamus wasn't warning about the London fire at all. LeMessurier claims that the prophecy was actually about a religious trial— It means the people of a religious sect will be burned. Suspecting that Nostradamus wrote this quatrain using bibliomancy, he searched through older texts for a similar incident, and he found it. Nostradamus appeared to be referencing an event that happened 200 years before he was born, a disaster that befell a religious order known as the Knights Templar. In 1307, the Knights Templar was a powerful and wealthy organization, but the King of France grew jealous and plotted to destroy them. He sent secret letters throughout the country accusing members of practicing black magic, devil worship, and other heinous crimes. The majority of the Knights Templar were arrested and put on trial. Throughout Europe, word spread of their alleged crimes. According to LeMessurier, 138, or 6 times 23, French Templars were arrested and some were burned alive, exactly as Nostradamus had written in his quatrain. LeMessurier thinks Nostradamus was actually predicting that another religious trial would take place in London sometime in the future. But it wasn't the Great Fire of London. This doesn't mean his prophecy was inaccurate. It just suggests that other people's interpretation of it was. And maybe the event associated with that particular quatrain simply hasn't happened yet. However, LeMessurier found other prophecies that people did interpret correctly and that seemingly came true. Several of Nostradamus's quatrains apparently reference Adolf Hitler's rise in 1930s Germany. They specifically mention, quote, a young child born from the depths of Western Europe who will seduce a great troop. Some of his verses explicitly reference the Rhine, one of Germany's largest rivers. In one, Nostradamus wrote, quote, The greater part of the battlefield will be against Hister. Some believe that this is actually a typo, and Nostradamus meant to write Hitler. They point to this as proof that the 16th century seer knew who would spark the war. In reality, Hister was an old name for another river in Germany, the Danube. It's far more likely that Nostradamus was referencing this river rather than Germany's infamous leader. But the combination of the Rhine and the Danube is important for another reason. These waterways were the border of the ancient Roman Empire. LeMessurier surmised that bibliomancy led Nostradamus to the history of Rome's frontier— 
There are dozens of books that document the violent border disputes between the Germanic people and the Roman legions. Julius Caesar famously built a bridge over the Rhine in a matter of days. He led his army over it, raided the upstart tribes, and burned the bridge. It proved to the early Germans that Rome's reach knew no bounds. So Nostradamus may not have known about Hitler specifically, but he did believe that a new demagogue would rally Germany and spark a battle with the rest of Europe, and history proved him right. Except Europe was constantly plagued by violence and war. Of course, something was bound to go down here again. Since those quatrains were so vague, it was easy to link them to World War II. That's a good point. And we know that most of Nostradamus' prophecies were undated, meaning they could happen at any time. So Le Measurer turned to the few prophecies that did have dates, the predictions Nostradamus made in his 11 annual almanacs. These were a lot easier to identify as true or false, mainly because they were associated with the events of specific years. They predicted things like famines and plagues that could be compared to a historical record. And in his book, Unknown Nostradamus, Le Measurer found, surprisingly, that only 5.73% of Nostradamus's predictions actually came true. It could be that those events didn't happen because Nostradamus predicted them. If farmers read that there would be a famine, they might have planted more crops. The existence of the prophecy essentially prevented the event it described. It was a paradox. Well, there are some disastrous events that Nostradamus seemed to predict accurately, but they weren't decoded until it was way too late, like his prophecies about the 9-11 terrorist attacks and the COVID-19 pandemic. One Nostradamus quatrain apparently read, quote, Two steel birds will fall from the sky on the metropolis. The sky will burn at 45 degrees latitude. Fire approaches the great new city. Many felt the two steel birds referenced the two planes that hit the Twin Towers, and they caused a fire to spread in the great new city of New York. This prophecy circulated widely online in the wake of the 9-11 attacks, The problem is that this quatrain simply doesn't exist. At least not in that order. This verse takes lines from several different quatrains and makes up some of its own, meaning someone edited them to make it seem like Nostradamus had predicted 9-11. Although in 2020, social media posts credited Nostradamus with predicting yet another massive tragedy, the COVID-19 pandemic. The prophecy said, quote, There will be a twin year from which will arise a queen who will come from the east and who will spread a plague in the darkness of night. It will be the end of the world economy as you know it. The twin year appeared to refer to 2020. The term coronavirus is derived from the Latin word corona, meaning crown. So the queen is likely the disease, which originated from the east in Wuhan, China. The plague brought the global economy to a halt, certainly changing the world as we know it. While no one knows who exactly found this prediction and began to circulate it, it spread across the internet quickly. 
It was hard to deny how accurate this prediction was. Granted, it includes the exact year, description, and origin of the disaster. There was no way to misinterpret this prophecy. But when Reuters news agency dug into the details, a very different story emerged. They interviewed Nostradamus expert Stéphane Gerson, a professor of French studies. He revealed that this prediction wasn't written by Nostradamus at all. Gerson said that the COVID-19 prophecy doesn't appear anywhere in Nostradamus's work. Neither did the words twin year. The prophecy wasn't even written in Nostradamus's signature four-line quatrain style. Unlike the 9-11 prediction, this wasn't even a case of rearranging verses from Nostradamus's book. This entire prediction was a complete fabrication made by someone trying to cash in on his reputation. And a lot of people bought this ruse hook, line, and sinker. So, yes, Nostradamus is credited with predicting many of history's greatest disasters, but the truth is a bit more complex. When we look at Nostradamus's specific predictions from the almanacs, his accuracy falls to a paltry 5.73%. Many of his quatrains, like the one allegedly about the Great Fire of London, seems to be totally misinterpreted by his readers. And his alleged prophecies about 9-11 and COVID-19 were completely faked by people online. However, some of his predictions did come true. He was right about a war breaking out in Germany, even if we can't tie it directly to World War II. And it's possible that some disasters were avoided because he predicted them. There's enough evidence to believe Nostradamus had some prophetic ability. I give this theory a 4 out of 10. Seeing that those prophecies were vague, I'm even more skeptical. It was a safe bet that there'd be a large war in Europe eventually. It seems to me like the vast majority of his prophecies missed the mark. I give this theory a 3 out of 10. While the measurer largely doubted Nostradamus's methods, he concluded that the famed seer was sincere in his efforts. Nostradamus genuinely believed he could tell the future through bibliomancy and use his powers to help his countrymen. But others don't take such a rosy view of Nostradamus. Many claimed he was a con man who knowingly peddled lies for his own gain and continued to do so 500 years after his death. Coming up, a modern magician unravels Nostradamus's scheme. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Now, back to the story. While Nostradamus's accuracy is up for debate, his reputation somehow is not. 
People all over the world still view him as one of the greatest diviners of all time, even if he was wrong on more than a few occasions. However, according to author James Randi, this reputation was all built on a lie, and Nostradamus knew it. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number three. Nostradamus was a successful con artist, and many still fall for his ruses today. In his 1990 book, The Mask of Nostradamus, James Randi examines the life of France's most revered prophet. He theorizes that Nostradamus used a variety of simple strategies to fool his customers, peers, even the king and queen of France. Randi was able to identify these schemes because he'd used them himself. In the 1970s, he was a professional magician under the stage name The Amazing Randy. He was known for impossible feats like bending spoons with his mind and escaping from sealed underwater coffins. Randy freely admitted to his audience that he was fooling them and had no real magic powers. But many of his peers weren't as honest. They claimed their powers were supernatural. Randy devoted his life to debunking these outlandish claims, and in the 1990s, he turned his attention to, in his opinion, one of the greatest frauds of all time, Nostradamus. The French prophet was considered to be the epitome of a legitimate sorcerer, someone who'd successfully peeled back the curtain of time using mystical powers, and Randy wanted everyone to know the truth. Nostradamus claimed he started having prophetic visions while exiled from France, but Randy had his doubts. The first book Nostradamus published in 1555 was a cookbook of sorts for fruit dishes and cosmetics. There wasn't a single word about the future in that text, but it did make a profit. Randy claims that when Nostradamus saw how lucrative it was, he published more books. Unfortunately, he was out of recipes, so he turned his attention to almanacs. These small pamphlets were easy to write and sold well. Plus, there was the cyclical nature baked in, releasing a new one every year to customers, just like a modern wall calendar. It was a cash cow. His first almanac was wildly successful, and Randy suspects that Nostradamus just followed the money from there. He continued to release his almanacs annually and leveraged it into full-blown stardom. But if Nostradamus was just looking to make a quick buck, it seems far easier to keep it simple with astrological calculations like the solstices. It doesn't make sense why he'd include these supposedly false prophecies, especially if they could jeopardize his reputation. We can't be sure of his initial reasoning, but the prophecies did later prove to be the most lucrative part. It was a giant compilation of his visions that caught the attention of France's Queen Catherine. Randy believes this was completely intentional. Nostradamus may have targeted the queen by including visions that were about her or her family specifically. It was well known back then that the queen was fond of the occult, During her reign, Paris had over 30,000 self-proclaimed sorcerers, soothsayers, and fortune-tellers, all of them vying for the queen's favor. But somehow, Nostradamus succeeded. 
A few months after she read his first book of visions in 1555, she invited him to Paris. He received royal honors and a hefty sum. He spent the rest of his life cashing in and died a rich man. Randy quips that being a successful false prophet is actually pretty easy, as long as you follow a few simple rules. The first rule is to make lots of predictions. Celebrate the ones that come true and ignore the ones that don't. Let's take a look at his most well-known prophecy that seemingly came true during Nostradamus' life, the death of King Henry II. As you may remember from the beginning of this episode, Nostradamus predicted that, quote, the young lion shall overcome the old on martial field in single combat, end quote. In 1559, Henry II was killed by a young noble in a jousting accident. But Randy also discovered that just a few months before the king's death, Nostradamus allegedly released an updated book of his prophecies. Many of them spoke specifically about the king's long reign. While the world celebrated what seemed like Nostradamus's one successful prophecy, the 1558 edition of his book disappeared. Randy notes that while there are records of these books being printed, no copies exist today. In fact, there's hardly any mention of them after the king's death. Randy suspects that they were gathered up and destroyed, possibly by Nostradamus himself, in an attempt to spare his reputation. This mistake by Nostradamus proves the importance of the second rule, be as vague as possible. The less definitive the circumstances of a prophecy, the harder they are to disprove. Nostradamus' most famous predictions are the ones not tied to any specific person, place, or time. This may explain why he wrote his quatrains like riddles. Last episode, we suggested that this format helped him avoid persecution from the Catholic Church. But in reality, it may have been to confuse everyone. It creates a loophole to claim every prophecy is true when no one can be sure exactly what's being predicted. Randy's third rule speaks to keeping things ambiguous. He says the key is to use a lot of symbolism and metaphors. This ensures the predictions can be interpreted in almost endless ways. This rule can also be seen in the quatrain that predicted King Henry's death. Nostradamus didn't specify that the king would be killed by a younger man. He predicted a young lion would overcome an older lion. It wasn't until after Henry's death that people made the connection. Essentially, this metaphor could be used in a variety of situations. The lions could also refer to two different countries fighting one another, or even two religions that are at odds. Eventually, some event was going to fit the description. Randy's most important rule for aspiring prophets is simple, to predict catastrophes. The majority of Nostradamus' predictions were about famines, plagues, and the end of the world. These events leave psychic impressions on society, as do the prophecies that foretell them. While Randy makes a compelling case, some of Nostradamus' prophecies don't fit his rules. For instance, in 1553, Nostradamus met the monk Felice Peretti. 
he immediately threw himself at Peretti's feet and proclaimed that one day this monk would become the Pope. Years later, he was proven correct. Well, that story may not fit in the guidelines Randy set, but Nostradamus never wrote that prediction down. It was passed on by word of mouth, so it could just be a rumor or maybe a tall tale conjured by Nostradamus himself. That also doesn't explain why Nostradamus took his own predictions seriously. As you might recall, on his way to Paris in 1555, he apparently cast his own horoscope. He nervously told a friend that he was in danger of being executed. There'd be no reason to be afraid if he was a fraud. That's true, and when he arrived in Paris, he allegedly received a mysterious visitor who warned him about possible arrest. He fled without hesitation, possibly heeding the warnings from his horoscope. But if Nostradamus was a fraud, it would have made more sense to stay in Paris. While he did continue to correspond with the Queen and make frequent trips to the city, he wasn't a permanent resident there. The trips would likely have been expensive meaning staying would have been far more lucrative. On the other hand, he'd already run afoul of the church before. Horoscope or not, he would have taken a warning like this seriously. In my opinion, Randy lays out the famed seer's means and motives pretty well. I give this theory an 8 out of 10. Nostradamus was a talented fraudster, but a fraudster nonetheless. I think Nostradamus was a true believer. He cast his own horoscope and followed its advice, even if it cost him a fortune. Not exactly the actions of a grifter. I'm again inclined to give this theory a 3 out of 10. Even if bibliomancy doesn't predict the future, Nostradamus seems certain it did. I don't think he knowingly conned anyone. We may never know how Nostradamus created his prophecies or why, but one thing's for sure. His shadow looms large over history. To date, there have been numerous editions of his books translated into dozens of languages. He's never gone out of print. Five centuries after his death, he remains a fixture in popular culture. Perhaps his true power was his ability to keep himself in the limelight. By tying himself to the specter of disaster, he ensured his fame would never dim. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Evan McGahee, with writing assistance by Lori Gottlieb and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. 
Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock. Some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.